0: When we say someone in a marriage is unfaithful, it's because they chose someone else than the one they promised to. And if you read the whole Bible, what is the theme? Don't pray to the foreign gods. I am your God. I'm a jealous God. I want all of you. Because when I have all of you and all of you are in my kingdom, then you have everything you need. But when you don't, it's idolatry. It's when you put your, your focus, your attention, your support, your loyalty to something else that is not God. That we are unfaithful. And why? Because we think that that thing will give us something that God can't give us. That's the lie we believe. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family, and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. So I want to open up with uh, two scriptures and explain a little bit more about it. And then we're going to get stuck into Hebrews 11 one. But I'm going to come back to this next week. I'm probably not going to finish everything I wanted to share with you today. So, you know, you're all committed to being here next week already. Thank you. So the title comes from... A well-known verse 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, that says, For we walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Which, and then our other verse that I want to share with you is a great biblical definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says in the New King James Version, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So from this it should be clear where the title comes from, Believing is Seeing. But what does it mean? How does it work and how do we apply it to our everyday lives? I don't know, you tell me. I'm just kidding, I know everything. I'm just kidding again. Okay, so now, now you know, I don't know nothing, but I also don't know everything, so we're in a good space. I, I want to get stuck into Hebrews 11 today mostly, but before we get into that, I want to talk about marriage In terms of faith. Because we use certain words when we talk about marriage, like faithful and fidelity. Why? And why do I want to talk about marriage and faith? Because I think it's clear from Scripture that one of God's main aims with marriage is to actually help us understand our relationship with Him. Can you see that? He gave us marriage. Yes, to have an amazing partner in this life, but also so we can understand our relationship with him better. If you don't believe me, go read Ephesians 5. Um, So let's look at faithfulness, faithfulness in marriage. When partners stay loyal to each other, what do we call them? When they stay loyal, we call them faithful. They're faithful to each other, right? So it's right there in the word, full of faith. Faith. Full, full. You get it? There's another word that we, we could use, fidelity. Fidelity means faithfulness to a person, a cause or a belief. And it's demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. That's the definition of fidelity. All right. When one of the parties in a marriage cheat on the other, steps out in some way, what do we call that person? unfaithful right unfaithful some ladies would say dead uh, so another way you can look at that word unfaithful we said faithful is full of faith so unfaithful is not full of faith all right that's also ties in with infidelity We saw what fidelity means and the word in in front of a word typically then takes away the meaning of the word. So infidelity means not fidel. (laughs) So saying the same thing, unfaithful is not, if you're unfaithful you are not demonstrating continuing loyalty and support. Do you agree? So we say that that person who was unfaithful, we call them, they are unfaithful. But what we really mean is that the partner has lost faith in them. Would you agree with that? But isn't the word actually more right than what we realize? Because that person who did something that was unfaithful was actually acting out of a place of not having faith in their marriage. Or in their partner, or both. Or, and I know, a lot of people have had moments where they they didn't really, that's not really who they are and they know they were wrong, but they, they had that moment. And for that moment, they had no faith or a lack of faith in their marriage or their marriage partner. Are you following me? So they were unfaithful. They were not full of faith in that moment towards the one they should be full of faith for, to whom they made certain vows in front of God and people, that I will remain faithful. I will demonstrate loyalty. I will demonstrate support for the rest of my life. Are you with me? Okay. So... I've quoted this a few times before from Pastor Nicky Gumbel. He's from Alpha and also the, he wrote the, the Bible in a Year um, app that you can use to read the Bible in a Year. And he, he said something quite profound. He said, You swallow a lie about God before you swallow the forbidden fruit. In other words, I believe something untrue about God before I sin. Every time... Before I sin, right before I sin or in that moment, I am believing a lie about God. It's another way of saying that in that moment, I don't have faith in God. I am not full of faith. So I'm unfaithful. And that's what an unfaithful spouse does. They believe a lie about either themselves or their marriage or the partner. And what, what does that cause? What does a lie cause? In this case, yes. But what does a lie typically do? It causes? Distraction, Distraction can you know, happen. Doubt. doubt is the word I'm looking for. It causes doubt. And doubt is actually one of the best um, opposites of the word faith. It's exactly the opposite of faith, is to doubt. What is doubt? Not being sure. What did the enemy, what was his original lie that led to the original sin of Adam and Eve? He sowed doubt. He he said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from that? Because, you know, he's actually just withholding something from you. You could be like much smarter and know way more if you eat from that fruit. So, you know, he's holding out on you. What does that cause? Doubt. What did that doubt lead to? What is sin? Unfaithfulness towards God. And this applies to marriage as well. When when we... When we have all these things going through our mind, my wife should be this and my wife should be that, or I wish my wife was like this, or you know I deserve da-da-da, that's never a good place to start your thoughts. I deserve this and this and that. And then you normally end up with going like, I can justify just about anything I do. But what are you doing? You're being unfaithful. You are not full of faith. You are operating from a place of selfishness. Does anyone see that? Okay. So let's get back to our relationship with God. When we have truly... Now, okay, I'm getting back to our first foundations about repentance and salvation. When we have truly repented, and if you don't know what that really means, go and listen to those sermons. When we have truly repented, truly become saved, born again, children of God, and we have stepped into salvation, we become a new creation. And that happens how? Who can tell me how how do we become saved? There's a famous verse. By grace through through through. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So by grace, through faith, we get saved. So when we step into relationship with God, what are we? Full of faith. We are faithful to God. Amen? We start in the spirit when we are truly saved. Now, I'm not talking about people who grew up in church, who are cultural Christians, who call themselves Christians, but they're not really Christians. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people like you, you know, who are really saved, born again, sold out to Jesus. My life is no longer mine. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm talking about us, all right? And everyone else is welcome to join us, if you're not there. It's for everybody. We start in the Spirit, and we're aware of how much God loves us. We're in the honeymoon phase of our relationship with God. Who remembers that honeymoon phase of their relationship with God? Like, everything is great. Who remembers the honeymoon phase of their their honeymoon for their marriage? Anyone? Okay. Well done. Well done, Perry. (laughs) So, I I would... (laughs) When I, when I used to do normal shows, I would always, um, before i do a certain song, I would ask this question, how many of you guys are married? And then sometimes this would happen, like no one would put up their hands. Um, I'm asking it to you now, who of you are married? All right, and then, yeah, that would happen. You have some fast hands, you have some medium hands, and you have some no hands, all right? So the no hands are obviously people who are either not married or they weren't listening to me. The medium hands is normally a guy that's not either shy or not very sure of his situation. And the men who put their hands up very fast, they are the ones who know that there's a point system in their marriage. And that the wife is going to remember, like, how fast did that hand go up? <laughs> and, and I remember the point system, the point system because it, it only kicked in. After our honeymoon phase of our marriage, the honeymoon phase of the marriage is everything is great and everything you do and say is right. There's no problem. There's nothing that you never fight. You never, you're never you like, you're, it's puppy love, you know, you're just crazy in love and everything's fine. And I'm, and I'm convinced about this. I'm convinced that for the man, he goes, I don't really like the way you spoke to me right now or how you did that, but I'm sleeping with you tonight. So it's all okay. <laughs> And the women are thinking this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know I'm right. The women are thinking this, I don't really like that about him, but it's okay. I will change him. <laughs> right? Come on. Be honest. How's that going, ladies? <laughs> he still has that mustache, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and then there's a day in my life. This was the day. I woke up and where I would normally kiss my wife and also Lebi free when the day begin. It's if my ears killed and say, uh-uh. Die back with your geborsel word. You need to brush your teeth first. I was like, what? That didn't happen yesterday morning. What's happening here? And then somewhere in that same month, I she 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 looked at me from the bathroom door and went like this. And I'm like, that doesn't look good. So I went to the bathroom, and she points at the toilet. She goes, what's this? I'm like, it's a toilet. Is this a test? (laughs) Why is the lid up? I'm like, I don't know. Why is the seat up? Why is it down when I get here? It's a mystery. And then we had our first moment, (laughs) where she goes, this is not acceptable. And I went, why is it not acceptable? Anyway. And I realized, maybe the honeymoon phase is coming to an end, you know? But it's that, it's, that, it's that moment where everything feels great. And it's the same for our relationship with God. There's this, there's this time of euphoria where everything just feels great. And you just want to lead everyone to Jesus. Because look what he did for my life. Ah, it's amazing. You need to get to the kingdom, you know? At least that's how I was. Um, and, and then something starts to change. Life becomes real again. And... Surely, slowly but surely we 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 go. Well, maybe you know what they told me isn't really true because you know it felt good for a while. But then now it's like uh, I don't know. It's not that lucky anymore. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Good. All right. So one day after things has gotten familiar, and we don't feel exactly the same as in the beginning, if we are not vigilant to stay in the Word. And to regularly spend time with God and praise and worship Him and get to know His Word better, our thoughts can easily start to go in directions that it shouldn't. And that's when we easily get what I call old man hiccups. When you got saved, the old man died. But if you are not vigilant, he can make a return. And you don't want that to happen, right? It's the same in a marriage. When the honeymoon phase starts to fade That is when we need to be more intentional to love, more intentional to spend time, more intentional to have those moments where we connect and talk through things. Amen? (laughs) Before we know it, if we are not vigilant, before we know it, the enemy can sow a lie, a seed of a lie, and that lie can bring doubt. And doubt can cause us to believe a lie about God, which can cause us to swallow the forbidden fruit, which is sin. And when we sin, we are then, as the bride of Christ, unfaithful to our groom. Why? Because sin is disobedience, and it's a form of idolatry. When we say someone in a marriage is unfaithful, it's because they chose someone else than the one they promised to. And if you read the whole Bible, what is the theme? Don't don't pray to the foreign God. I'm your God. I'm a jealous God. I want all of you because when I have all of you and when you, all of you are in my kingdom, then you have everything you need. But when you don't, it's idolatry. It's when you put your, your focus, your attention, your support, your loyalty to something else that is not God, that we are unfaithful. And why? Because we think that that thing will give us something that God can't give us. That's the lie we believe. We were full of faith when we started. And now we maybe feel empty of faith or that we have a lack of faith. And we are unfaithful. And that's when faith turns to being unfaithful. There is also the situation where we often hear Jesus admonishes the disciples about having little faith. You know, there's a line from the old King James that says, O ye of little faith. It happens a few times. that It's after the storm on the, on the, on the Sea of Galilee and a few other times when Jesus spoke to them. And it's interesting that he said little faith. And that he, at the same time, he would tell us that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move and it will move. Is he trying to trick us? Or is there more to it? And this thing was, was for the first time, kind of broke open for me um, between two people that I heard speaking. The one was a friend of mine, Joe Niemont. Some of you may know him. He's a, a singer and an amazing songwriter, and he, he used to travel with Uncle Angus a lot um, And I was at his bachelor party, which was a really godly bachelor party, very godly. We sat around a table and everyone prophesied over his life. And almost everyone said about Joe how great his faith is. He's a man of massive faith, big faith. Like he takes crazy faith steps. And when it was his turn to speak, he stood up and he said, guys, I don't have big faith. Because the Bible says I only need faith like a mustard seed. But, what I, but the faith I have is pure, and it is focused on Jesus. Oh, that just blew my mind. And then another time I heard um, a, a pastor here in the, in the area speak, and he said the, the word for little there from the Greek is actually short burst. It means a short burst of faith. And so that, then it starts breaking open. It's like you start well, yes, I believe, But then there's a hiccup. There's something along the way that you didn't anticipate. And suddenly your faith is gone. You start believing the thing you see and not the thing that you know to be true from God. Amen? So we need to be weary. Faith like a mustard seed needs to be focused and pure. and and, And it will move mountains. But faith that starts out well and is easily capsized by circumstances, that is what Jesus does not like. And it's not that he doesn't like it. He he wants us to do well in our faith. So he's pointing out don't have little faith, don't have short bursts of faith. Let's get into. Oh, man, we are already out of time. (laughs) May I steal 10 more minutes of your time? All right. Good answer. (laughs) All right. Hebrews 11, let's go to our Bibles. Hebrews 11, 1 to 10. This is quite long, but I'm going to read it fast. So just pay attention. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he... Pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. If we are unfaithful, we don't please Him. It's another way of seeing that. For he who comes to God must believe that He is God and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to, by, according to faith. How long did Noah wait between getting the instruction and the rain's coming? 90 years. Nine zero. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. God just said to him, Go live in the field in a tent. He had a very nice home where he was from. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he's going. If you talk to any person in this town, they will not move unless they know exactly where they're going. <laughs> By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jabok, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, why did he do this? For he waited For the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. It goes on and on and on like this in that chapter. It is awesome to read this. But today, before we leave, I just want to leave something with you that's really powerful that we're probably going to continue on. Now, some people here will know that this is something that was broken open in in my life through an amazing man, Pastor Ade Omobagiwa from, from Nigeria, who's been living in South Africa for quite a while. And those of you who know the answers are not allowed to answer the, the questions I'm going to ask. OK. Verse one is the foundational verse. It says, for, it says, "Now faith is the substance for those um, of things sorry, let me try again. <laughs> I should know it off by heart by now. Now faith is the substance of things not s- oh, come on, Heinz, Focus. The substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen." Let us get some context first. In chapter 10, just before this, we see this, uh, We see that he's speaking about how Jesus became the ultimate sacrificial lamb for all time. That what, what was done every year was not cleansing people of sin, because they had to do it every year again and again and again. And then Jesus came on, Passover, the time that they were celebrating, and he became the ultimate Passover lamb. What happened at Passover? The angel of death passed over the homes that were covered by the blood. Now we're talking about death in the sense of eternal death. When you have Jesus, you don't go to eternal death, you go to eternal life. We spoke about that recently. So he became the ultimate sacrificial lamb. We see through him we have access to the holy, holiest of holies. God's presence and the Holy Spirit comes and writes the laws of God on our hearts. This is also what we read in Hebrews 10. We also get the serious warning of what will happen after we have received all of this and then still sin willfully. I shared that recently as well. And it ends with these last verses right before Hebrews 11. Now now remember, the Bible was not originally written in chapters and verses. This this was originally just written as one thought, all right? So I want you to read these last few verses of Hebrews 10 and know that this went straight into Hebrews 11. Hebrews 10, verse 38 to 39. Now the just... Shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back in perdition. Let's say, Amen. We are not of those who draw back, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Are you of those who believe to the saving of the soul? Okay. Then we read, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Are you of the just? Are you of the just? Are you one who believes in salvation? You shall live by faith. So it is important to understand what faith is. If you're going to live by it, you should know what it is. Are you the just? <laughs> Are you tired? <laughs> no, we're not tired. We're getting we're just getting stuck into this. Faith is the substance of Things hoped for. Let's stop there. So what is faith? Faith is the? Okay. No, no, no. We're stopping there. Of things hoped for. So let me ask you this. Can you hope if you don't have substance? How many of you are hoping for a new car? Hoping for a new this? Hoping for more money? Hoping for something? Just hoping because hoping is lacquer. How many of you are hoping? Can you hope without substance? What's the answer? No. Well done, class. <laughs> so the important next question we have is, what is the substance? Because it's what faith is. Faith is the substance. So what is the substance? Anyone that... No? Faith is the substance. All things hopeful. So... Now, okay, when Ade taught this, it took months before he answered my question. I am giving you this on a platter, all right? So be grateful. He drew it out and drew it out. and I was like, after a while, I was like, just tell me what the substance is. Come on. I didn't sound like that, but, you know, just came up. Faith is also, the second part says, the evidence of things not seen. How many of you watch crime dramas? We love a, we love a crime drama, a good crime drama series. What, what do they always have in the court case? Evidence. And what, do the, what does the captain say to the sergeant when they want to um, take someone into custody? Is they say, do you have enough? Yes. And what is that? Evidence is physical proof. That connects the perpetrator to a crime. So have you ever heard of unseen evidence? You know what they call that in the, in the legal terms? Circumstantial. It looks coincidental. It's, like it's not enough. So in human terms, it's not enough. Now this says that faith is the evidence of things that you don't see. You don't see it. You don't see it but it's evidence. All right. Is it starting to break your brain a little? You've read this a few times, right? And you've quoted it to people, but you don't really know what it means. I was there. I know. The world tells us seeing is believing. That's what the world is telling us. But clearly from this and our other opening scripture to Corinthians, it is clear that in the kingdom of God, Believing is seeing. How else will you see the evidence that's not there? Okay, back to the first part. The substance of things hoped for. What's the substance? A bit further down, we just saw it it, in, in Hebrews 11. It speaks about Abraham, right? And even further down, we see a piece that I didn't read now, where it speaks of Abraham being willing to offer his own son, Isaac. Do you remember that story? God speaks to, to Abraham and he tells him, take your son to a place I will show you. He didn't tell him where. Once again, he went somewhere he didn't know where he was going. <laughs> that's very hard for us Western people. So he, he gets up the next, the Bible says he gets up the morning, he takes the boy and two helpers and goes. It never says he spoke to Sarah. <laughs> very wise man. Anyway, that's just a side note. So I'm going to take your boy for a braai. Uh, I think we'll be back. I'm kidding. So he goes. And what does he say to the two helpers? He says, wait here. The boy and I will go worship and we will return. And then here in Hebrews, it actually says that he knew that God will either not let him kill his boy or will raise him from the dead. How does he know that? How? Faith is the? Of So he was hoping that his son would rise from the dead if he had to kill him. So he had? No, he had substance. What was the substance that Abraham had that made him hope that his son will rise? What was the substance? Come on, people. But you also know you're cheating. She just wants this to get done. <laughs> God made a covenant with Abraham. And in the covenant was a promise that through Abraham, his seed, there would be millions and millions and billions of children. We spoke about the seed of Abraham in the last two weeks, and we saw that it wasn't just Jewish people. It would be those who come of his seed. Abraham is the first name. When it talks about the genealogy of Jesus, he's the first name. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot, and it goes on to Jesus through Joseph. And you'll, if you go back to our first podcast, you'll hear that I spoke about the power of adoption. And that Joseph this was in the line of Abraham. And he was Jesus' father on earth. But did his seed create Jesus? No. No. So why was he his father? He adopted him, yes. Someone's been in all the sermons. (laughs) So, but why would God take a human uh, line of people where there's lots of brokenness? There's some harlots in there. There's some disobedience. There's murder. All kinds of... David's in that line. You know what he did. Why would he take that and get a man from that line? And by the time it gets to Joseph... There's no crown. There's no throne. But he's from the line of kings. He's a carpenter. He lets him be the dad of Jesus through adoption. He's trying to show us the power of adoption. But then the seed that God gave Mary is what made Jesus. And through adoption, he was part of that. Okay, this is is huge. But let me get back to my point. God made a covenant... With Abraham, and through his seed, there would be millions of yes, Jews, but also Christians, people who believe in Jesus. The seed, the word. Are you with me? Yes. All right. So, before my wife cuts the power, um, I just, I just really want you to get this. What is the substance that Abraham had that is available to all of us as the seed of Abraham? The promise. How did God give him the promise? He spoke to him, all right? He gave him a word. He promised him something. And then God said, I will make a covenant with you. And he made a promise and he swore by himself because there's no greater power. That is how Abraham knew that he knew, I have a word from God. I can stand on this. This is firm. This will not move. Because God cannot be a liar. He cannot go against himself. So that's how he could take his son, tie him up. And he was a teenager by then. Can you imagine the obedience that took? Dad, what's going on? Lifted up, close to cutting him, killing him. And only then did what happen? No, the angel stopped him first. And then afterwards he said, God will provide. And there was a ram. What was God testing in Abraham? His faithfulness. Because even the promise from God, the son that he was waiting for, can become an idol can become the thing that you worship instead of God. And God was seeing how faithful is this man. How faithful is he? I gave him substance, but what is he gonna do with the substance? Can you see that? Come on, that's good. God is good. Let us stand, let us rise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close our eyes and just just lift our... You can open your palms to heaven or just lift your hands up to God. Holy Father, Holy Spirit, Holy Son of God, we honor you, we worship you in this day. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And we thank you for the power of the Word of God. Lord, I thank you that we can know today that you give us the substance of things that we can hope for. By faith, we can know that if you said so, it is true, it is firm, we can stand on it. Lord, I thank you today That you have spoken over everyone here. You have a scroll over each life. You have promises over each life. A calling on each life. You have spoken a word over each life. Lord, I ask you now in this moment that you will help each and every person here to see what that word is that you spoke over them and if they know what it is to call it into remembrance and if they are already walking it out to keep helping them and strengthening them to walk it out but Lord I ask that any word from the enemy will be cancelled right now any lie trying to to get us off our paths of faithfulness to unfaithfulness will stop now in the name of Jesus I pray for clarity of the mission of God based on the word that we have received. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So Lord, we thank you for the substance that you've given us. It's the same thing that this ministry is built on, a word that you gave. And we want to walk it out in fullness. And you've given each, everyone here a word. And if they haven't received it or heard it or know about it, Lord, I pray right now that you will reveal it to them in some way, through someone or through your word itself. Because every word in your word is your word and is our substance as well. So we know that we have substance when we read your word to stand on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you will solidify the word spoken over every life here. And that you will help us to stay faithful to you, full of faith in you. And Lord, help us that when the lies come that want to draw us away into unfaithfulness, that you will help us to stay vigilant, to stay on point, to draw near to you, to stay close to you. In Jesus' name, I pray that in the mighty name of God. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God. that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones.